0: The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com
1: From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, August 16, 2018 And this is The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com My name is Bob, how you doing? Hello Bob Uh, Coming up on today's show aretha franklin expert david t-rex ferguson is right here and we're going to talk about uh the late great aretha franklin here on the show because you know why i don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about trump right at the top of the show not when we can uh memorialize aretha franklin someone who is truly awesome and truly great oh but we're going to talk about trump anyway uh trump's got enemies list. he's got a big enemies list and he's out for revenge oh and georgia republicans it's just—it's not just the Russians this time around, the Georgia Republicans are planning to shut down a whole bunch of polling places in Georgia ahead of the midterms. Thank goodness we have Georgia uh, resident David Ferguson here to talk about all that. Plus, if the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out, head on over to Bubble Genius and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll fe- featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator. This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin.
0: Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of
1: deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Zeska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com.
2: We got two hunkies out there dressed like Hasidic diamond merchants. Say what? They look like they're from the CIA or something. What they want to eat? The tall one wants white bread, toast, dry, with nothing on it. Elwood. And the other one wants four whole fried chickens and a Coke. And Jake, shit, the blues brother. Hi, Jake.
1: Matt! Hi, Elwood.
2: How are you doing? How are you doing? How was Joliet? Oh, it's bad. On Thursday night, they serve a wicked pepper steak. Can't be as bad as the cabbage roll at the Terre Haute Federal appear.
1: Or that oatmeal at the Cook County Slammer.
2: Oh, they are all pretty bad. Matt, me and Elwood, we're putting the band back together. We need you and Blue Lou. Don't talk that way around here. My old lady, she'll kill me. Ma'am, you gotta understand
1: that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing.
2: Matt, what the hell is he talking about? Don't get riled, sugar. Don't you? Don't get riled, sugar, me. Now, you're not going back on the road no more, and you ain't playing in them old two-bits, sleazy dives. You're living with me now, and you're not gonna go sliding around with your old white hoodlum friends. But babes, this is Jake and Elwood, The Blues Brothers? The Blues Brothers? Shit. They still owe you money, fool. Ma'am, would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy
1: thing? You see, we're on a mission from God.
2: Don't you blaspheme in here! Don't you blaspheme in here!
1: Bob Seska! Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. It. Oops, sorry, I uh I blasphemed there. <laughs> it is the Trump crisis day, 574, 81 days until the 2018 midterms, and possibly the end of American democracy according to Malcolm Nance. Ah, oh, Jesus.
0: <laughs> In a thong.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Oh, did you hear that voice? I know who that is. It is T-Rex. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I have to
0: say, Mm -hmm. hearing Walter as a classical piece last (laughs) Friday was probably the best thing that's happened to me this year. (laughs) And I felt partially responsible because I had mentioned that in the third movement of his aria, he got a little stank on it and put some blues into his singing, you know, and... Yeah, I guess you, somebody ran with that. I hope I like to think that maybe I had a little something to do with that, but maybe
1: not. <laughs> Dude, are you talking about the concerto in A flat minor sung yes. by uh, by Walter, Walter the dog? <laughs> it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, you know what? I don't think I' so worth supporting you on Patreon just to get that. Yeah, you <laughs> like know that, what? All my Patreon for the year was worth that.
1: And you know what? I was just going to play it on the show, but that makes me think, you know what? Maybe we should entice people. Maybe that'll be a good tease to get people to sign up for the goddamn Mm. after party on our Patreon page. It is... uh, did I say Patreon again? I did, didn't I? You said... Well, I don't know. I don't know how it's properly pronounced. I've never seen it pronounced by someone official from the actual website. So it could be... Well, the
0: root word is patron, so it should be... I think... but I just... I don't know. I, I hear Patrick
1: that's i get the patriot part there's patriot and patron well it's patron right i mean patron patron would have the long a why are we talking about this <laughs> it's, it's patriot it's, patriot. doesn't
0: hurt as much as talking about the fact that we've lost the queen of souls yes
1: i know today. oh it's so such a shame aretha franklin aged 76 years old she uh
0: same age as my mom.
1: Yeah, uh, and but also, geez, 41 years after the death of Elvis Presley. I mean, this is kind of a an historic day for... Like, pop culture deaths. I mean, we've got uh, Aretha, Babe Ruth, Elvis Presley, and and my Italian grandmother all died on the same day, August 16th. Not of the same year, of course. That would be weird. But my grandmother would be 120 or something like that if it was all today. But uh, August 16th I remember seems to hearing be a-
0: about Elvis dying, because I'm like three years older than you, Yeah, I think. Oh, I remember that and distinctly. I remember being in the car with my dad um, and my dad was kind of an Elvis fan. I mean, not a huge yeah. one. He certainly wasn't one of those horrible dads that wears the glasses and slicks down the hair and does the impression at every party and embarrasses his right. teenage daughter. He's like, oh, my God, Dad, no. No, he was not that. But uh, yeah. And that was like, where was that before after Freddie Prince Jr. killed himself?
1: Mm-hmm. You know what? I Freddie remember, bo- I remember when- both things. I remember both news stories. And I was only, what, like five years old? What was it? 1977 was when Elvis died. And so, and Star Wars came out. So I was six, and I do remember. You know what I remember about the death of Elvis is I remember seeing on the news his Wait, body. Did I say
0: Freddie Prince Jr. died? I didn't mean to say that. Fr- Freddie Prince Senior, right? Dad, Freddie <laughs>
1: Prince died. Did I say Freddie Prince Jr.? Because I think
0: we both jumped right in there, dude. Yeah, I,
1: yeah hello, hello, year 2001, and we, 1999. I mean him no harm. Yeah, I mean you no harm. So we haven't <laughs> predicted Fre- Freddie Prince Jr. is still alive, as far as we know, um, and married to Buffy. Yeah, that's true. And you know what, David? I remember uh, seeing on the news at age six, Elvis's body being carried out on the gurney with a sheet over it. I was so disturbed by that. I was like, "That's that's Elvis, boy." He oh, even I think my mom sent us out of the room for that. He even looked fat when he was under the. <laughs> I thought they just buried him in the backyard like a hamster. I can't believe, why was I about to go there? I was about to fat shame dead Elvis. I mean, it's one thing to fat shame old Elvis, Old Elvis <laughs> with his kit, with all of his barbiturates and his, you know, his pistol. Karate and his, kicks
0: on stage. and
1: freedom and gum. And, you know, I mean, I you know, I start going down this Elvis rabbit hole as soon as the the name comes up. Because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time working uh, with and listening to the Don and Mike show. And they always would commemorate Elvis death day with all these mm-hmm. great Elvis stories. So you see Elvis postmortem is fun to talk about. Aretha Franklin... Not fun to talk about because Aretha Franklin was a genuinely good person, genuinely talented person,
0: hugely innovative musician. Yeah, I mean she not a great writer. She didn't write a lot, but she was this amazing interpreter. And respect. Yeah, is actually an Otis Redding song.
1: Right, and do, um, that was recorded but, at Muscle Shoals, the famous uh, recording yes. studio. Well, in let's the back south. up. Okay, let's yeah. go
0: back to pre-Atlantic. Yeah, so. Here is this preacher's daughter from Detroit named Aretha Franklin. She Mm -hmm. plays piano and she sings. And the record company she first signed to, which I think was CBS, Mm -hmm. they didn't know what to do with her. So they tried to do, like, jazzy stuff. They tried to get her to sing, like, Ella Fitzgerald, which she doesn't have that kind of voice, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then uh, she moved to Atlantic. And that was where Jerry Wexler, the producer, and and Aries Mardin got hold of her and were like, I know this is something else and they're like what do you want to do mm-hmm. and she was like I want to kick band yeah um because up to that point most R&B music was kind of in the Motown vein and it was kind of dink dink dinky dink dink oh, yeah. you know like it was like and she's like I want to bring out the guitars mm-hmm. and make it sound like rock oh yeah and um So they went to Muscle Shoals and they did those legendary sessions where you get
1: yeah they had those session musicians yeah
0: respect right you know she put the R E S P E C T in respect that wasn't in the original song Mm. and the original Otis Redding song was about wanting his wife to make out with him when he gets home from work Um, (laughs) okay
2: different different message
0: right well there's some of that in Aretha's too but it's like you're gonna get my money but I need some honey and yeah yeah. Uh, so Aretha's song, Respect, came out in 1971, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to hit a like powder keg cultural moment between the yep. women's movement and the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And women entering the workplace and demanding equal rights. Yep. And black people standing up and you know saying, okay, now we need a Voting Rights Act. And it was just an incredibly like it was just a nuclear hit because it it encapsulated what so many people were feeling and um, demanding Mm -hmm. because everybody wants respect. Yeah. You know, that's, it's just, um, I I mean, she proceeded to release just some of the greatest singles of the 70s. Natural Woman is amazing. It's like a Burt Bacharach arrangement with, you know, horns and, um, say a little prayer I mean she really was versatile Like those muscle track sessions Like clack With rock and roll energy And they bristle mm-hmm. With electric guitar and stuff But she could also do Like really like Say a little prayer for you As mm-hmm. good as Dionne Warwick You know Oh yeah Yeah sure um, She could be light And she you know, And she had some lost years In the late 70s And then she came Roaring back in the 80s With uh, Pink Cadillac And she'd mm-hmm. signed At that point to Arista
1: Oh right, right. Working
0: with um, Clive Davis, who also I think is like maybe her uncle or cousin or something, and Whitney Houston's godfather, and there's the whole Arista family. Oh yeah, yeah, Um, of course. And uh, and you know, I remember her voice was different then. She came back, and her voice was different because she'd been smoking and she'd been drinking, Mm -hmm. but it it was um, richer. Didn't have the same like if you listen, like you're playing "You're My Sunshine" in the background there, and I can hear it, (laughs) and it's got this clarion thing. Her voice in the early '70s was a shout. Yeah. And it has this It cuts through Those rock and roll drums And guitar Like Tracer bullets In the mm-hmm. Vietnam sky like, Oh yeah And then um, But later It's more of a hot chocolate Kind of warm enveloping sound mm-hmm. When she's singing Big you know, Pink Cadillac And who's zooming who Yeah Um
1: It's funny because, I mean, you mentioned Pink Cadillac. I mean, that was the first Aretha Franklin song that I had ever heard. I mean, that's what I think a lot of us uh, who grew up or came of age in the 1980s, we saw a lot of those 70s and 60s rock stars and pop stars. Reinventing themselves for the '80s, and that was our first exposure to them. I mean, the first time—the first Chicago song I ever heard was from Chicago 17. How fucked How up sh- is that? And so, before you, know,
0: you ever heard, tw- I heard 25 or 64 growing up because my. Yeah,
1: I, I may have heard it just but, by osmosis, just by being around and listening to radio. But I mean, the one that I first—first first time I really recognized them was the, the 17 album, which is their big Peter Cetera, David Foster pop album. And uh, but it was the same with Aretha Franklin and so so many others that that was the first exposure of, of those recording artists and it was completely different than their actual signature sound. I was sound, not you know? really
0: knocked out with uh, Freeway of Love when it came out because I was just like, where's the fire? Where's the urgency? Yeah. Um But then the fact that the song has just hung on. She could pick a song. Mm -hmm, Right. And you still, like, even if you're not particularly crazy about the 80s synthesizers and the arrangements, you kind of can't resist that song. It's like Love Shack by the B-52s. It's just like, it likes you almost as much as you like it. Uh Uh-huh. You know? And you just kind of can't resist it. Yep. Um,
1: Yeah, so, I mean, how? Did you
0: ever see, though, when when, when she sang Nessun Dorma? Because Pavarotti was sick and she just popped into his spell. No, I haven't seen She had like God, 24 hours that. notice. And she sings, you know, the first half in Italian and the second half in English and she just wow. blows it away. I, I can't mean,
1: even imagine hearing Aretha Franklin singing. What, it's what a whole new in the thing. opera, it's right? It's so
0: innovative. Yeah. It's Nessun Dorme is by, um God, is it Puccini? Yeah. Uh, and it's like a thing that uh, tenors sing. Mm-hmm. Sun Sopranos has sung it. Um, and she just like took it and. Took it to Detroit. It's yeah. beautiful. But it, she didn't – it has every ounce of the dignity that it it would have had if Pavarotti had sung it. Yeah, no and doubt. And that's the thing about Aretha. She had gravitas. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of a badass. She, was she like, uh, at one point carried a gun and uh, <laughs> she got paid. There's an, a, a profile that I saw earlier, just a little bit of, that I meant to get bookmarked on my uh, machine before we came on the air that talked about how – the interviewer is sitting there talking to her and among mm-hmm. her things on her table with her makeup and her hairspray and her brushes and combs and things <laughs> is stacks of crisp $100 bills that she just got paid. Wow. The lady does not sing if she does not get paid. There you Pay go. Pay her first. And then she puts it in a bag mm-hmm. and then she either hands it off to her most trusted road guy, her yeah. manager, or she just takes it on stage and sits it next to her on the piano bench where she can see it. Yeah. Because she came out <laughs> of an era... Of playing what they call the Chitlin Circuit and when they were playing, you know, when they called soul music race records. Oh, God, America. Um, And, uh, you know, and she watched people like B.B. King and, you know, Fats Domino and and Ray Charles get ripped off again and again and again by white people. And she was, okay, like, you pay me now in cash. Right. And then you'll get your show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's kind of how she did it by just being kind of a hard ass.
1: Yeah. I don't know if we fully emphasized ever in the history of this show, but I, I want to reiterate that the music industry is fucked up and it's always been fucked up and it's filled with horrible, horrible people who take advantage of their uh, musicians and their recording artists and who steal all their money and who write in all kinds of awful shit into their contracts and so on. And it seems like. Aretha Franklin the most was,
0: corrupt legal business in the world.
1: Oh, my God. Way more corrupt than Hollywood. Way more corrupt than the television industry. The music industry is just fucked up from top to bottom.
0: Everybody makes money except yeah. the artists uh-huh. and the fans. Right the, right. the most important parts of the equation are not getting paid. As T-Rex
1: finishes up his debut album with Compromat. <laughs> well, you know, this Hopefully is a Hopefully you won't have to deal with any of that shit
0: at 50 years old it's highly unlikely it's yeah. just you know especially given how like like pedo pop the industry is right now how right. you have to be like you know in the like I remember like maybe we talked about this the MTV Awards that everyone was so appalled about when they had um, Miley Cyrus and um, Robin Thicke yeah dancing together and it was there people were like oh my god she's a Disney princess this is so vulgar blah 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 it's exploitative <laughs> it's you know colorblind blah blah it's tone deaf but I was just like it's legacy hires
1: Right, right. You know,
0: it's, Yeah. Mm. I'm so tired of people's kids. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I keep telling the guys, we got to finish this record. Blue Ivy, you know, uh, Beyonce's oldest daughter is almost nine. Yeah. And we will be competing with her for Radio Space. I don't know. It's... Um, well, it's I an mean, interesting way to be doing this now because you know that you have, like, the chances of you getting famous when you were in your 20s were your, like your chances of getting hit by lightning while simultaneously getting run over by a truck with a billboard on the side advertising erectile
1: dysfunction drugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the chances of getting, uh, being in a rock band and getting signed to a record label just seems so antiquated at this point. It, it seems like Something like uh, just doing it yourself or putting your music online is is the only way to approach uh, you know a career in music anymore, it and you get like a much more direct
0: is. relationship with your fans. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm finding. Yeah. Um, the the problem is scale. Mm-hmm. Record companies can get you promoted in places that you can't reach on your own. Yeah. Although a lot of that infrastructure has broken down now because they you know they've gone bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it, the way it was before it was this huge parasitic organism, yeah, like I said that you know they would do all the production of everything, all the records, all this design, everything was done in house, mm-hmm. all the publicity, all the PR, and they paid those people premium rates, yeah uh, and that came out of the you know the musician's salary, mm-hmm. and the musician just got no say in how much that cost, and it just uh I know so many people that got signed to record deals and you get this advance, mm-hmm. Which raises your sli- your standard of living slightly, but yeah, you go out and buy not, a bunch of
1: shit. You buy a car, you buy some new equipment, and then suddenly it's gone, and you're like, "Oh shit, what do I what do I it's do not now? Your money, yeah. Yeah, it's not until
0: your record has made back everything it costs to make and produce, exactly which by right. the way is going to be paying all everybody at the record company before you're going to get paid. The guys in the print shop of the record company, the guys in the design department, and you know the people in the publicity and the stylists and the everybody gets paid before you do. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, speaking um, of getting paid, I mean, did you see what Donald Trump said uh, according to Chris Sullivan uh, today about to the, it, the, the yeah. Nice oh, my segue. God. Yeah. He said, yeah. He said. Yeah. Uh, he said this is per the White House press pool report. Here's a quote. He described her as a person he knew well and who worked for him. No, she didn't. Jesus Christ, no, of course not. Of course she didn't work. I mean, she was at an opening of something that he was at, I'm sure, at some point. But, and
0: maybe she performed at a party, but you know, I'm pretty sure
1: that she never had
0: a contract with him or was yeah. a featured performer at the Atlantic City Casino for more than a
1: night. I mean, who is Magoo thinking about when he's? <laughs> <laughs> Did Aretha Franklin work for him. Yeah, she. He's uh,
0: probably totally got her mistaken for his, like you know, cleaning lady from his. I'm sure. House at college. One
1: hundred percent. Trump doesn't know a goddamn thing. Trump knows nothing. Wrong. Uh, yes, he he knows. But this is absolutely. something that I notice when with him and John Kelly yeah. and Jeff Sessions, whenever they're
0: confronted by a black woman, like whether it be Kamala Harris or Frederica Wilson mm-hmm. or any other, even you know, April Ryan, or they get. So just like epically pissy. Yeah. And it's, you can tell that they're just like, this woman should be washing windows and not asking questions of me.
2: Oh, you right. Know? It's
0: disgusting. Right. Like, I mean, maybe it's because I grew up in the South and I can just smell that shit on people. Mm-hmm. Like I can just, it comes off of them in like subtle little waves that you're yeah. like, oh, this person is horrible.
1: Well, you um, know, there's, uh, there's a new dimension to this today now that we hear because this is all looping back to Donald Trump's enemies list. And, and he does. He's got an enemies list. In fact, we saw part of the enemies list yesterday. He in fact published it as part of his statement that for some weird reason was. Written. Oh no, we're
0: also no. It was like so Hogwarts in a weird way. It was like ten points from Gryffindor. We're also watching, you know, these people from Hufflepuff, and I mean, it was like the, the headmistress. You know, is like we've suspended John Brennan from from pudding right for the rest of the the rest of the term. You know, and you know uh, what's her name from the Attorney General's Office, um, Sally Yates, and. Uh, Comey and all those other people who some of them don't even actually have security clearances to revoke nice research.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I
0: know. Um...
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's, it like, really, it's, it's all, like it's like the
0: headmistress. It's just reading off the names of who's going to be suspended and who is in trouble and who's already got too many demerits.
1: Right, it's completely, it's minister. it's all cosmetic, is what it is. This is all something. I mean, again, it's all stuff to placate the uh, the red hats. But at the same time, there maybe is maybe she's
0: born with it. Maybe yeah, maybe it's I know. lies. <laughs>
1: there's there, there's a practical purpose to Donald Trump composing this enemies list apart from just doing something to placate the the red hats, which is the you know to eliminate all of his enemies from the federal government. And now he started. And to he pull started the headlines away
0: from Omarosa, yeah. Because, well,
1: but he's adding and to and the you notice
0: that memo was, was dated July 27th. You know,
1: did you see that part? Yeah, it was July 26th. Yeah, he dated so, this memo July like, 26th. So he's planning to
0: sitting in a door drawer waiting for the moment when the news cycle got toxic enough that he needed to right. throw something in there.
1: Yep, that's exactly why he did it. And And so part of it is okay, we're revoking John Brennan's security clearance because John Brennan said mean things about me. <laughs> He's such a fucking baby, this goddamn president. Such a fucking thin-skinned little turd of a man. Pathetic and petty and vindictive. He's just a snot. He's just a fucking spoiled, rich snot with his gold yeah, I toilet. mean, he really
0: hasn't... Emotionally progressed beyond yeah. fourth
1: grade. <laughs> so, sorry about the outburst but Jesus Christ!
0: I know. I feel I, it happens to me sometimes. I'll just be walking through the house, and they'll just be like, "God,
1: motherfucking oh, God, God!" I, I know. I mean, God, God damn it! I'm yelling but that twenty-four also 20 just words.
0: the extra, extra edge mm. of spite and yeah. nastiness that everything has.
1: Yeah. So, so um. the other names on this list: James Clapper, James Comey, Michael Hayden, Sally Yates, Susan Rice, Andrew Mc. I'm leading. I'm reading the actual. But he list. wants to put
0: Jeff Sessions on there too. Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok. so mad at
1: Jeff Sessions. But there's another dimension to the Sessions aspect. I'll get to that in a second. There's Peter Strzok, of course, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok's been fired, but of course, he's going to be stripped of his security clearance. Probably already has been.
0: Weren't these all the people that Comey shared his memos with concomitant to the conversations with the president?
1: Uh, Yeah, except for Susan Rice. I'm not sure if James Clapper got any of that stuff either. But I know that Andrew McCabe right, saw right. something. Uh, maybe, I don't think Peter Strzok saw anything, but it was McCabe. Who else? There were a few other people who have been fired minus one. Rachel keeps track of them. There's like six of them. One is still there, but the other five have all been fired or reassigned. Uh, and so that's, yeah, that's who Comey shared his notes with about the the various meetings with Donald Trump, including the one at Trump Tower. But I mean, this is the composition. This is where it starts. It starts with the composition of an enemies list, which Donald Trump clearly has. I mean, this is more than just revoking security clearances. What he's doing now is he's executing on the deep state coup conspiracy theory. That's what's starting now. This is Donald Trump clearing house in the Justice Department, in the intelligence community, Then he moves on to the Department of Defense. I'm sure at some point soon he's going to move on to journalists any day now based on what we're seeing him tweet today. But the other weird thing about all of this is how soon until Donald Trump starts actually arresting people? How soon before Donald Trump goes full Erdogan, full Erdogan and Turkey people? Yeah, yeah, because you uh, remember not just
0: people uh, at the border and take, arresting kids. And
1: yeah, but cages. no, no, he's not going to start arresting white people. Of course not. You know who he's going to try to arrest first? We just learned today he actually asked Jeff Sessions to arrest Omarosa. That's what I'm getting at in all of this. <laughs> the first person he wants to oh, arrest
0: Jeff Sessions' little cracker heart, which is love.
1: Yeah, that. I mean, but as part of this, I don't know what this is, this purging of all of his enemies, the, the first person he chooses to start with as far as getting actually arrested is Omarosa. And why? Because of her fucking book. So, I mean, I've been screaming about this for more than a year now, that it was only a matter of time before Donald Trump took a, a lesson from Erdogan of Turkey and started arresting people because of the alleged deep state coup. And here he goes. He wants to arrest Omarosa. He's stripping all these people of their security clearances. I assure you, at some point, well, the, the firings have already started, obviously, but the firings are going to... The go- way this
0: places us in specific danger, though, and this is what freaks me out about Brennan. Yeah. I'm not crazy about Brennan. He was a big drone guy, torture enthusiast. So, I mean, he's not my favorite person, but if all of a sudden Mike Pompeo runs up on something in CIA data that he doesn't understand that he's never seen before and he needs some help with. Yeah. He can't call the previous CIA director who would have the most relevant experience being the person to most recently hold the office besides a know nothing political appointee by Trump. And he's not allowed to see the intelligence now because his security clearance has been invoked. And so,
1: Well, I'm sure Gina Haspel has already been told, you know what? You only talk to Trump. If you want advice from someone, talk to the president. Other than that, don't be talking to any of the deep state coup people. Don't be talking to any of, you know, the 13 or 19 or whatever it is, angry Democrats. Don't talk to anyone who is against Trump. Only talk to Trump. And I'm sure that's been the instruction for all of Trump's department heads who, by the way, I still want to find out. And the press needs to start asking these questions, goddammit. Or you know what? I'm going to start calling around to the various offices of the department secretaries to find out if they all signed NDAs as well. Because we know the staffers all signed. We know the campaign staffers all signed. But I'm, I'm 99% positive that trump's cabinet secretaries have also signed ndas including the head of the cia uh, uh, gina haspel including the the head of the fbi christopher ray although i don't think christopher ray really gives a shit about his nda but i do know that dan coats gave a shit about his nda i do know that jeff sessions gave a shit about his nda because both of them decided oh you know what we're not going to answer congressional questions and when they ask us why we won't answer we're not going to even tell them because there's an nda that's why and i know it won't hold up in court. I'm tired of hearing that counterpoint to every time I bring this up. I know it's not going to hold up mm. in court, but you know what? It doesn't matter as long as the people who signed think it'll hold up in court or as long as the people who s- signed these NDAs are intimidated by the fact that they ended up having to sign an NDA. So so that's, that's all part of this. That's all woven into the fabric of Donald Trump's ownership of the executive branch right now and trying to execute this process whereby he purges the whole thing of all Donald Trump enemies. I mean, this has been going on for some time now, but now it's supposed to be on. Oh, no, I was just going to say now it's public. Now it's public. Now we're seeing yeah. it. Right. But I mean,
0: I thought all white house communications were a matter of public record. Isn't that like how it goes? Isn't, I mean, well, are, yeah, rules. Right. And so NDAs are like a direct violation of, I mean, isn't, is crew on this?
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, it, it, but it doesn't matter. See, because I mean, yeah, you've got a president it doesn't who doesn't matter. Nothing dis- matters. Yeah, because this is the thing that I've been concerned about from the very beginning. Is Donald Trump going to acknowledge the strictures on the office? Or is he going to waltz right on through these giant loopholes where there is no enforcement for something like this? I mean, you have the office of government ethics saying, Oh, my God, he's violating all these things. okay and what are you going to do about it? How are you going to enforce that? That's how Wait, Donald Trump's thinking. We'll
0: put that to-do list on Speaker Pelosi's desk on her first day back in January.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, that's what it's got to be. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, ultimately, that's really what it is, David, because uh, we're only going to see comeuppance in all of this if the Democrats win back at least the House in November. We'll only
0: see accountability at all, even if they don't win it, said Malcolm Nance in a thong. looking to get immigrating somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter Let's of talk time. talk about the N-word
0: thing. Because, I, I mean, I know that, like, I read a good thing by Brian, I think it's Butler.: Brian, Yeah, uh, Brian Butler, yeah. Uh, I really like his writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was talking about people don't need to automatically assume mm-hmm. that the, an actual N-word tape wouldn't make a difference i think it would uh do you remember what was the guy's name that was the la team owner who we heard talking to saying the n-word and, and bitching at his mistress about
1: i don't know i don't know it, it was maybe do you know
0: who i'm talking about it was the clippers owner i think
1: yeah i'm not sure because i don't i don't really give a shit about sports but i, I know that there was a the scandal vaguely some scandal involving that word did and you hear the tapes i i did not hear the tapes
0: they were utterly repulsive Really? I and mean, it was just his whiny, nasty voice yeah. saying these horrible, nasty things. And it did in people's minds what 25 years of knowing he was a slumlord and was a racial, you know, uh, exploiting people racially, uh, the tape did what that knowledge had not been able to do mm-hmm. in two decades. Wow. Because everybody knew he was a slumlord and he was horrible and he had multiple litigations going on all the time with tenants. Uh, but then the minute that tape came out, his career was over. Everyone could not get away from him fast enough. Same thing. I feel like with the Mel Gibson tapes, mm-hmm. Mel Gibson. Well, I mean, he's, people are giving him a little comeback, which I'm not crazy about. I, I think he's freaking nuts. Yeah. He is repressed. nuts. Right. He's gay as hell. Um, <laughs> really? You think? Oh God.
1: Come on.
2: I, I've never thought the about like Mel Gibson Jesus in that torture way. Torture
0: porn R- thing. Well,
1: it's, yeah. I mean, he's into the torture porn, but is that a gay thing? Uh,
0: it actually kind of ties closely into what you see with like Yukio Mishima's writings from Japan in, in terms of the mutilation of the body through self-loathing and yeah, it's um it's kind of a phenomenon in yeah. a weird way. But
1: I never would have thought of that. I never would have thought of uh, of that torture porn. Like I never would have connected Passion of the Christ to flamboyantly gay. This <laughs> doesn't. You don't film bodies that close. I see. All right. And, and it's important. Exploring. It's important if you're a first-time listener of the show. It's important to underscore that David Ferguson is gay. I'm just. I'm just throwing that out there so oh, no one yeah, starts writing me. to me, so, so I don't become a hashtag later. That's why I'm. I'm making sure. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, I would like to make a statement here that I'm appearing in my capacity as a gay, as gay,
1: <laughs>
0: as a as a rerun of Bewitched on Easter Sunday.
1: <laughs> so um, Goddamn funny. As oh, gay as goodness. the Brady Dad. Yeah, I mean, I never I never would have made that con- uh, connection between, uh, you know, the brutal flogging of Jesus portrayed on film and, and, I don't know, Bette Midler. Bette Midler Records. Somehow, that's all part of the same. Oh, no, it's
0: much darker than that. <laughs> Bette Midler is for gays that love themselves.
1: You know? Oh God. See I, I'm learning something new every day. Every time we open the, the microphones on this show I learn something new.
0: I feel like this is a big factor though with like men who abuse women. Because like he's you know, he oh, beat the well, crap and was abusing yeah. that woman he was married to and it's because ultimately it's not what he wants and he's so angry that he's like he's, I keep trying to make this work and it's not
1: he's just and- yeah he's really psychotic especially if you listen to those recordings of his phone messages <laughs> he sounds
0: just like Bill O'Reilly in the recordings it's a thing yeah but it's also the like steroids I play you clips and be like is this Bill O'Reilly or is this Mel Gibson and you'd be like give me a second
1: I would say um, maybe with the, like 85% certainty that Mel Gibson is juicing too that he's got the steroids he's he's using the steroids my point
0: Or, well, I think there's plenty of other things you can put in your veins in California that don't, I mean, anyway. Oh, you know what? You uh, know what? Here's here's some uh, other
1: breaking news, uh, T-Rex. You actually ended up shaving your goatee and mustache off, didn't you? I'm growing it back.
0: Oh, you're growing it back. Hey! I took it off and immediately missed it. That's great. Uh, And my face looked weird, but...
1: And I'm sure you used a Harry's razor to to uh, work your way through that process, right? I did. I have the orange handle one. Oh, uh, that's perfect. The weighted orange handle. See, I I love my Harry's razor, so I I gotta shave every day just because I love shaving with my Harry's razor. Do
0: you know why I want to? Yeah, why I use the orange one? Why? <laughs> because I'm so nearsighted, and I don't <laughs> shave with my glasses on. Obviously, that if I drop it in my white bathroom, <laughs> I can really seriously find it. it.
1: It's like a traffic cone. <laughs> Exactly. You, you can't miss it in low light. See, that's another reason to love your Harry's razor. It's Go super, Harry's! <laughs> super comfortable. It's it's super comfortable in my hand and on my face, and when you drop it on the floor, and it'll never got, lose
0: it in a
2: snowbank.
1: <laughs> it's got the closest shave imaginable. On top of all of that, Harry's knows that switching razors isn't an easy decision for anyone. So, right now, just for a limited time, new customers get five dollars off on a shave set as a special offer to offer to my people right here on this show. It includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Harry's weighted handle. A five-blade razor with lubricating strip, trimmer blade, and travel cover, and Harry's great-smelling foamy shave gel. Three bucks, free shipping, right here. And Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days, and they'll give you a full refund. And for a limited time only, Harry's has a special offer for my listeners on this show, New customers get $5 off Harry's Shave Set uh, with uh, the code BOBC at harrys.com. You get a trial set that comes with a five-blade razor, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and travel cover, all just for 3 bucks plus free shipping when you use the code BOBC at harrys.com. Join the millions of guys who've already switched, including T-Rex, and go to harrys.com today. Use the code BOBC at checkout to claim your offer. Do it right now. You'll love it.
0: and her mama on backups. Who is it? Her sister and her mom.
1: Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. This is this is the song that, that heroin, I... like my mom. I wasn't able to use this part of the Blues Brothers theme at the top of the show or the Blues Brothers scene. But this is where it goes. She starts singing us this in the diner, right? Think about
0: this. You're a black woman. It is the early 70s. The mm-hmm. civil rights movement is ascendant. And you hear Aretha on the radio singing, Freedom! Yeah. Freedom! You know, I
1: mean, yeah! I, <laughs> I know. Mean, Talk so about, I'm just thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What a voice of a generation and, and, and a voice that uh, we're all going to miss. But, boy, did she leave us with a lot of great stuff. I know iTunes right now is doing a whole... Uh, Aretha Franklin theme on their uh front page and
0: or you can go to the Amazon link at Bob's website. That's right. The capital right. letter Amazon link right under the website name and if you purchase through that, you to- poke through, you no know, extra cost to you, the Bob Seska show gets a little percentage of everything you buy. <laughs> that's, it,
1: that's it. exactly. Thank you. See how I, good I am? <laughs> I know. Right there with the uh the save on my I was
0: just like going You over. always have to do that. So I thought I'd just handle it for you. <laughs> All right. Hey, I I enjoyed the interview with Debriana Mancini yesterday so much. Oh, thank you. such a delight. Yeah,
1: she's great. What's the response been? Yeah, the response has been outstanding. Uh, Right now, you can hear my interview with Debriana Mancini on our Patreon page. If you're not familiar with that, go to bobsuska.com and click the all caps Patreon link just beneath the logo. And you can listen to my interview with her. She is, of course, uh, she plays the character Fran in uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. She's appeared in both shows. And you know why? Because Vince Gilligan not only knows excellent talent in actors and so on and crew and writers and whatever else in, in between, but also he's got an eye for consistency and i don't think we would have accepted any other person working at loyal as serving uh, mike Ehrman trout or whoever else appears uh, uh, hector salamanca and, and all the rest of them who ever appears at the diner except for a friend you got to see debriana mancini in that plus oh my god the scene that she does with jeff bridges in crazy heart is so wonderful and and so uh emotional and so sweet I've never you got to got to check it out got to check it out okay. so all right, moving along here. This is something that is right in your wheelhouse, David. Uh, Georgia Republicans are trying to shut oh God. shut down seventy five percent. I mean, we're concerned about the Russians, but they are
0: just, terrified of Stacey Abrams.
1: Yeah, it's it's because mo-
0: she's polling above their dude. Yeah,
1: well, and they're trying um, really hard to make sure that black people don't get to vote uh, in the in Randolph County. So We've
0: got it, like everybody in Georgia. If you're within the sound of my voice, you need to go find your black friends and make mm-hmm. sure they've got a place and a time to vote and drive them to the polls. If you have to make sure they have all the proper ID. This is how you can use your leverage, your privilege to help other people mm-hmm. get people to the polls. Yep. There's more that you can do than just vote. Right. Um, it's critical. Yeah. I don't I mean, this guy, the, the guy that's running for governor is such a wahoo. I, I don't know if you've seen the commercial where somebody overdubbed different. Oh God, it's brilliant. No, I haven't seen Wait, any of the commercials um, in Georgia. Oh, I w- not can we play this for the listeners? See if you can find it. Um, go like to Facebook and go to posts and
1: search my name. I'm on your Facebook page. I can't see. Oh, wait a minute. Is this it? Brian Kemp? Yes. Brian Kemp. All right, let's see. I think gonna... you get Brian Kemp. Number,
0: number one.
2: Boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. It ain't a thou
0: shimel, it's a hill shimel. <laughs> uh, uh, no, the tourists can't hear it, at least click. I can't hear it
2: Yeah, you can't clock. hear it, but Uh-oh. I got it up here. If they do, you introduce him to Vern.
1: Say All right, guys, so someone did an overdub of his voice. Yeah, that's fucking funny. It's that, brilliant. That's really good. Yeah, go to David Ferguson's uh, Facebook page and check this out. Randolph County Elections Board uh, is, is going to meet Tonight. To discuss a proposal that would eliminate seven of nine polling locations in the county, according to the ACLU of Georgia, included in the proposals are uh, closures and at Cuthbert Middle School, where nearly 97% of voters are black. Mm. Exactly. There is strong evidence. This is the ACLU. There is strong evidence. This is this was done with intent to make it harder for African Americans. Really, you think? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it, it always is. This is about. I mean, the Republican Party is, is going to hang
0: on. Is it hanging on a judge's decision, or is it the group? A group the elected board of electors is meeting.
1: Yeah, well, it's just a matter of the board of elections uh, deciding. Then that's all they need no. to do. Why are you? Why exactly are you shutting down these polling places? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's no reason. They're not giving any reason whatsoever for shutting down the- People in that
0: part of Georgia, the white people in that part of Georgia are so stupid that one of them will actually come out and say something like that North Carolina guy I gave where he says, we don't want to be beholden to the African-American voting bloc.
1: Yeah, we're just going to deprive them of the right to vote, then, is what we're going to do. So that that yeah. seems like the smart solution, right, doesn't it? I mean, that's the they're, they're closing nine polling locations, and they were all used during this year's primary and Republican runoff. So the uh, New York Times writes here, actually, it's the AP, says, it's unclear why the locations would be closed down. <laughs> really yeah you, you think that's really the, yeah. This is
0: the, you know god damn it new york times just come out and say it
1: mm-hmm. racist
0: whites in georgia are trying to keep blacks from voting yep. say it right right don't be uh, this is uh you know and this is like i watch the cable news shows and they all have different levels of blindness and denial mm-hmm. and it's like watching what's his face uh who does meet the press daily. Chuck Todd. It's yeah. Like watching the news from eight months ago. They're operating on these completely like assumptions. Like, well, we, we can't call them racists. Mm-hmm. That would be you know really harsh. It's like, dude, they have proven to us again and again and again who they are. Right. You shouldn't be calmly sitting there saying, is this true? You should be screaming like your hair is on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're so desperate to normalize things and so desperate to also, but I think, you know, a lot of the established entrenched pundits are like, I got to hold this position. Um, and if things get too wild and liberal and crazy, I might get shunned to the side.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean, that's always a possibility. All right. Well, you know what? Let's take uh, one last break here. When we come back. I want to talk about, uh, <sighs> God damn it, Dana Rohrabacher and Russians Ugh! and hacking that election. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's getting bad. It's getting ba- really, really bad. Really, really bad. And then just one event after another is confirming that this shit is happening for real now and uh, and the lights are out at the White House. No one knows what the hell's going on in the White House. No leadership whatsoever from the president, of course, because this is what he wants. He wants it all to play out this way. All right, we'll dig into more right after these words.
2: You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products.
1: Welcome back to the show.
2: I ain't gonna do you
0: wrong. I <laughs> actually a, s- head flipped know? my headphones off there for a second. I was getting into it.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like uh, you know, around. I, in addition to Aretha Franklin and losing Aretha Franklin today, I was uh, scrolling through Facebook and I saw a picture posted of uh, of Taryn, who was uh, Chez's girlfriend and fiance, in fact, uh, with Inara, uh, Chez's daughter. And so I was just like,
2: <gasps>
1: <gasps> oh. oh, you're doing good. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I'm I'm fine. It was just it was emotional to no, see I meant them. What's that?
0: Not you. I don't care about your feelings, <laughs> Bob. How are they?
1: No, I know. I know you don't. But <laughs> but they they are. They looked happy. Inara looked happy. Taryn looked happy. And of course, they were happy. They were together. It's just it was, it was sort of surreal and strange to see the two of them together in that photo. And and, and you know, they look like they're having a great time. And I, I and I'm so glad that they're able to uh, to still connect now uh, after you know it's been like a year and a half now. And so it seems. Uh, it seems sweet that uh, that they uh, had that photo op together I think I, I think they're out visiting and so it's uh it's a little uh, bittersweet I think um, okay so getting down to additional like elect- see this is why we just have to overwhelm the vote in November we just have to it has to be just a tsunami it has to be more than a wave it has to be a goddamn tsunami because there's so much to overcome and this is one of the things uh, of course What's that?
0: Oh, I was just gonna say the primary night numbers from last night are huge from Wisconsin and stuff. Oh yeah, turnout was like huge compared to previous years. Uh, Yeah, and it wasn't just. I find that encouraging, especially as we get closer to election day.
1: The turnout was gigantic. Uh, In the Minnesota governor's race, there were five hundred seventy-one thousand Democratic votes. And only 314,000 Republican votes. That's an advantage for the Democrats of 257,000. In Wisconsin, in the Wisconsin governor's race, 522,000 votes for the Democrats, 438,000 for the Republicans. That's an advantage of 84,000 for the Democrats. In Connecticut, 206,000 Democratic votes, 142,000 Republican votes. Not so surprising in Connecticut, but nevertheless, uh, 64,000 vote advantage there. And in Vermont, in that governor's race, uh, 57,000 Democrats voted, 35,000 Republicans voted with a Democratic advantage of 21,000. Massive, massive. And, And you know what? not good enough, not good enough. Also, don't get happy. Don't get fucking right. happy because this all looks good, but that's the problem. When things look good, then we don't vote. And I know I, I know, it's not everybody and I know not the people listening to this show, but other people tend to get complacent in the Democratic Party. It's a thing, and we're trying keep to... Keep reminding
0: your friends who yeah. play a lot of video games and spend a lot of time on Etsy that they need to remember that November's coming.
1: Yep, um, and and of course, because we also have a lot of younger people uh, who vote uh, in the Democratic bloc, that means they don't vote either. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, uh, suffice to say, it just needs to be an overwhelming force in November, and one of the problems is we're hearing more uh, now from the FBI... Uh, who's investigating several cyber attacks over the past year targeted at the Democratic opponent of, uh, of Dana Rohrabacher, and we all know that Dana Rohrabacher is Putin's favorite member of Congress. Uh, as Kevin McCarthy once said, Putin pays two people, Dana Rohrabacher and Donald Trump. And they, and then Paul Ryan tried to write it off as a joke. Oh, oh, Dana's just, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy's just joking. What was
0: he doing in Moscow on July 4th?
1: It's just yeah. all so bogus. Did Rand
0: Paul uh, go over with him when the, he brought back that letter from Moscow recently from Putin?
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I, I think... Did did Dana Rohrabacher go with Rand Paul? Did they go together? That would be uh, weird. He
0: went. I know, No. I think Kennedy and Rohrbacher were there uh, maybe with a delegation was. of Republicans that went on July Fourth and thought they were going to meet with Putin and then Putin like was like, Nah. Oh, that's right. Then they, they only ended up meeting with something.
1: they they ended up meeting with Lavrov. That's right. Ugh. Yeah, they never yeah. met with Putin, but they met with Lavrov. On Russian was,
0: soil. Say
1: it. Oh my god. On yeah. Russian soil. On <laughs> Russian <laughs> soil. That's exactly right. So the target of these attacks now. In Southern California, in uh, Wehrbacher's district, is Dr. Hans Kirstead. He's a stem cell scientist and CEO of a biomedical research company. Oh, so bonus, they go after a stem cell guy. He finished third in California's nonpartisan uh, top two primary on June 5th falling 125 votes short see you know what that's the thing that raises all kinds of alarm bells to me 125 votes short we're gonna see and i was talking about this on the stephanie miller show yesterday david and then on the uh on the tuesday show here and it's just like uh, my fear is that we're gonna see a lot of these too close for call races on election night and the press is gonna go well, I guess that you know the blue wave didn't quite get enough votes to overcome the Republicans and it just narrow, narrow victories, and it's going to be like, well, no, no, it's the Russians don't you see they're moving they're moving small numbers of votes from here there from this column to the other column and and gaming the whole thing. It seems to me as if I
0: think that if anything gets hinky and weird, you know Malcolm Nance was talking about um That this could potentially sow the seeds for like civil unrest, like a civil war. The fact of the matter is there's a lot more of us than there are of them. And even in the places where they are strong, like the South, there's still a lot more brown people than they are at this point. Uh, And if they decide they want to start a civil war, they're going to get crushed in a matter of weeks. Well, yeah. and they and they're they're probably thinking like those idiots that took over that bird sanctuary up in Oregon that like didn 't take any food with them and didn't realize that like laying siege to a place and holding it for thirty days didn't mean you could run to Kroger mm-hmm. um, to get more supplies
1: well you know look let's let's really dig into the idea of a civil war here I mean I really honest to god believe that there's not going to be a a hot civil war where there are people uh, firing guns at each other in lines of Battle or however it's waged, there's not going it would be to be impossible. a shooting civil. The war.
0: geographic, uh, yeah, of course, is there? Like they, uh, yeah. we're all intermingled, and
1: whoever controls the military, it's gonna. That's the side that's going to win. So I mean, this is going to be a useless event. Someone may try. I mean, they may try to engage somehow in a civil war. Maybe Alex Jones stirs his people up, and they all st- tr- try to to attack some federal building somewhere or whatever. It's it's gonna, or a military base. It's all going to fail because United States military is the strongest military force in the history of the world, and they are not going to be thwarted by a bunch of hillbillies with AR-15s. It's they not riding it's, mowers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. You know what we're going to have? <clears throat> and we're already in it. We're already in a cold civil war. We're in a civil war in this country, but it's one that doesn't involve bullets and shooting necessarily. I mean, obviously, we see a lot of mass shootings and things like that, a lot of political radicals engaging in uh, in atrocities along those lines but that's not that's not the equivalent of two two sides shooting at each other in a war scenario what i'm talking about Did here is a you, culture oh. more of a more not a culture war necessarily or but more of a political war and the effort has to be to to destroy Trumpism as best as possible, because that's the poison that is going to destroy the United States. That's how the, I mean, that's how the Trump side wins the civil war by being relentless about what it is they're doing in completely destroying how the American system of government and all of its institutions actually operate. And that's how they're going to end up winning the civil war, the cold civil war, as I've been calling
0: it. Like I said, they're not the majority. They are the minority and they're fractured. They're fragmenting right before. Mm-hmm. The thing that I really wanted to talk about before we go any further is the video of, what's his name, Kessler, that organized the Unite the Right march on the Skype call or whatever on the FaceTime with his buddy on the boat. Have you seen this Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I saw the video of them getting blocked from going to the event at the no, uh, Vienna no, 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 metro station. New. I haven't seen he that. came no. out
0: yesterday. He's talking to his buddy, and um, his dad starts yelling at him. <laughs> oh that's right that's right he was like, he's like
1: get
2: out of my room i don't want you using my room for that shit and he's
0: oh
1: like, my god these he's little like, boys and
0: he's like what is your dad so mad about he's like they've been watching the history channel and it's told them y'all these nazis are bad and they're just completely brainwashed and i'm like oh my god that's not the history channel dude it's history um, yeah it's but it's
1: yeah these it's little just
0: hilarious he's like his dad it's like get out of my room stop using your, your computer on my, on my wireless to spread that nazi shit and uh, it was satisfying.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it always is. I mean, again, these are little boys who don't know what from what. They have no sense of history, no sense of what, what the atrocities that fascism has wrought, especially in the twentieth century. They just don't know, and they don't care. I mean, they're just. We're talking about an entire gen- background, though.
0: In particular, is interesting. I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. Go
1: ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say. I mean, it's an entire generation in which uh, they haven't been. Given civics educations They haven't had a full range Of social studies coming up through The uh, public school system or any school system For that matter so they don't know They don't know things you want to see the biggest Illustration of the worst idiot In the world go look at Jack Posobiec's uh, twitter timeline Or Jacob Wall is even worse In fact you, you know if you look at any random Trump tweet you can see either one of those Two fucking pinheads showing up Underneath saying something just so Patently stupid and counterfactual that it makes your eyes bleed. I mean, it is so awful. Candace Owens is another one. These young people who have just made a choice—they've picked a side as if they're picking a side in a video game—and they go, "I'm That's gonna, su- yeah, I'm gonna support the, I'm gonna support the Trump thing because." And, and again, you see the connection between people like Jason Kessler, and the causes they work for, and the whole idea of the internet, the way internet communities tend to get formed are very similar to how they're putting together these hashtags and these, uh, whatever you want to call it, these campaigns to uh, to march in downtown DC. It's all about picking a side in a flame war rather than having core values that inform a particular political point of view. There are no core values here. These are people who have just decided we're going to torture the other side. We're going to make them nuts. Why? Because it's fun. And so that's what they do. A more to it
0: than that, though, that. A guy did a really good breakdown and I'll send you a link to it that we could include with the post when it goes up maybe. Yeah. Of like, because, you know, Kessler, is that his name? That organized the the unite the right. The, you know, the right guy, I, the I think it is. Catholic. I think it's
1: Jason Kessler is who it is. Jason yeah. Kessler yeah.
0: was an occupier like six or eight years ago, and like a hardcore vegetarian vegan, and like broke up with a girl because she ate fish, and was like super, mm. but also super confrontational, and didn't work well within the group, and was not a team player. Was oh, fancy that to, the
1: Occupy Wall Street people not being able to work well in a group. <laughs>
0: that's, that's well, shocking. he was apparently particularly like against the principles of nonviolence and was trying to push people to a much more radicalized and aggressive place and trying, mm-hmm. to, and trying to paint himself as a leader of that splinter or faction of that. Mm-hmm. And finally, he was like ejected from the group. Yeah. But he said he felt like the values of the group no longer matched his because they were prioritizing minorities and blah, blah, blah. And he felt like he was being stigmatized for being white, which <sighs> led him to his conversion. And it's like, this is kind of like, this is what happens to people who are entrenched in their privilege when they are faced with other people being equal to them. It feels like oppression. Yeah. And they run off to form other groups or join other groups where they can be as a white male, mm-hmm. you know, like enshrined in the conversation as the chief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. And so, like, you know, really, he doesn't have any core values. You're right. He right. is a whirling compass needle as long as he gets to be well, well, it's the same the with, top of the
1: heap. Yeah, the same goes for Candace Owens. I mean, she's actually admitted. The really interesting interview to watch with her, if you want to see how she ticks, is uh, her interview with Joe Rogan. Uh, which is really revealing because Joe Rogan's very disarming, and so people tend to be abundantly honest when it comes to Joe Rogan. And with Candace Owens, she made a, a conscious choice this goes back to something I've talked about with regard to quite a few uh, television and radio conservatives where they were morning zoo DJs, and they made a career choice to say, you know what, you know, where the money is in radio. Now, it's in conservative talk. So I'm going to become a conservative talker. And so their conservatism becomes a matter of a career choice. It's like moving from one company to another, there's no difference. And so for someone like Candace Owens, she was saying, Well, I made a choice, I stopped being a liberal and became a conservative. Well, how does that switch over happen overnight? I mean, I mean, I was a I I identified as a conservative uh, up until a certain point when the, a slow transformation began, and that was at the beginning, maybe in the first I don't know three semesters of college. Over that, it took a long time, suffice to say, or a relatively long time, maybe a year or so, for me to fully evolve into liberalism being exposed to you know knowledge and how the real world actually functions outside of my catholic up- upbringing in northern virginia so for for that to happen it requires time and it requires study it's not just a snap turn a switch and then suddenly you're conservative and that's how people like candace owens and jason kessler and all the rest of them actually think this is a choice this is not a matter of oh, you know what, this doesn't... Their only real value
0: is being in power, is having power. Right. It's attention.
1: Yeah, I know. And that's just it. It's all about brand. And and it's an entire generation of people, too, that have been brought up with having to develop a brand online for themselves, even as children. And I can understand, you know, when you're in your 40s (laughs) and 50s like we are, um, it's a little foreign to us to have to constantly cultivate our brand online, but we still do it because it's part you of know. our jobs, right? But but then with these kids, they, they, they've been doing it since they were born, for God's sake, developing their Facebook page or developing their social media persona or developing a, a personality in the YouTube comments or on 4chan or Reddit or wherever. This isn't second nature. This is second nature for them. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's not easy for me. No. And I tell
0: you, like, you know, I had the Indiegogo campaign that I set up. And then I just like, it is so hard for me to promote that stuff, Mm -hmm. like remind people and to keep poking at it. And it ended up like I meant I realized and I went down a depression hole where I'm like, do people really want to hear from me? Do I need to be supported? You know, like I don't have anything unique to offer. (laughs) Yeah. It was just a rough month. And yeah. then when I went to go back and see if I could extend it, it had already shut down. Oh, man. And so now I've lost my health coverage. This is like – so I had this incredibly expensive Cobra coverage. You're yeah. going to love this story. <laughs> uh, and I thought, well, I'll just let that lapse and I'll get a marketplace policy yeah. because they're cheaper.
1: Right, um, right. But
0: It turns out that if you have received any COBRA benefits within the last 12 months, you are not eligible for a marketplace policy until open registration in November. What
1: kind of ridiculousness is that? I mean, why would they? What's the purpose of that rule?
0: it's to so they have, would have to force me to k- cough up the seven hundred and fifty dollars a month it would take to do oh, that. See. But now oh, it's yeah. I think it's too late. I don't think I so. I'm gonna have to pay for all my medicine out of pockets. I mean, oh my heart god! Pulls all any appointments I have, or if any the emergency thing goes wrong, until I can get on a policy in wow. November. So now I really have to start up another Indiegogo campaign. Yeah, um, and I guess I'll you know watch my Patreon page for that in the next few days. Um, sorry to throw that in there. Uh,
1: well, no, I mean, please uh, please check out uh, David's Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash the T-Rex report. Yeah, definitely support your uh, support David's uh, podcast and everything, because that's just insane that you're not able to... It doesn't make to, any
0: sense that you can't just buy an insurance policy. You have to wait until... Open. it's just It doesn't make any sense at all, and I didn't expect it, and it totally
1: just floored me. Well, maybe one of Trump's of new uh, health plans will... Will work for Ugh.
0: you. <laughs> the thing about Georgia, though, because of an error in the po- in the policy making, yeah. there were some really good Cadillac plans available for really cheap. But I'm not eligible for them until November, and I can't get on my husband's policy or anything. Mm. Oh, oh, you know what
1: there is though? Uh, check out something called the Freelancers Union. Have you ever uh, checked that out? There's a there's, it's some mm. it's a real thing. And in fact, if I ever lose my health insurance because of Trump. I'm going to sign up uh, through the Freelancers Union. It's, it's a legitimate thing, and they have a health care plan and everything. And uh, I, I think you just pay the monthly dues, and you're in. Hmm. Uh, you have I'll to apply, of course, but you have to be a legitimate freelancer <laughs> to be in the Freelancers Union. I guess that's the only real qualification. But definitely go check that out because they may that may provide some assistance for you, at least in the near term. Uh, before you uh, move on to something else, but uh, just to end on some uh, some positive news, uh, Nate Silver has just launched his house model for the midterms, and it's good news. It's actually really good news. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's. Let's see here. It's uh, the Democrats. Their odds are seventy five point four percent of taking back the House of Representatives. That's yeah, Senate, uh,
0: Is that a lost cause?
1: Uh, I don't see the Senate numbers here from Nate, but. Honest to God, we need to calibrate our expectations. Shoot for winning the Senate. That's what we should be doing. We should be trying to win the Senate back, too. But if we don't, we don't. It's just not a good year for Democrats because of the split of who's running and who's not. Like there's only eight Democrats running, or only... Eight Republicans running for a re election, but 33. Oh, no, it's
0: 25. They're so old. Though. Tw- any 25 of those yeah. senators could drop dead at any time. You could have a special election at the drop of a hat. Yeah.
1: 25 Democrats running for a re election, only eight Republicans running for a re election. So the odds are against the Dems. All right. Patreon.com slash the T Rex Report. Go support David's uh, uh, Patreon and his podcast. Go do it now. And, uh, Ooh, post- thank you Postmortem show coming up next on our Patreon page So go and join us Thank you so much folks We'll see you on Friday's After Party Bye bye